You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Mark Feinsand, executive reporter for MLB.com. Welcome to the Executive Access Podcast. Nick Kroll was named the new general manager of the Cincinnati Reds on May 10th promoted from his position as vice president and assistant general manager. In his 16th season with the franchise, Kroll began as an advanced scout before working his way through the baseball operations department. Now he and president of baseball ops Dick Williams will work to turn the Reds around and get Cincinnati back to the postseason for the first time since 2013. I had an opportunity to sit down with Kroll prior to his promotion, but here's an opportunity for you fans to hear from the man himself and find out just how he moved from being a bat boy for the athletics all the way to becoming the GM for a big league team. Enjoy this conversation with the new general manager of the Cincinnati Reds, Nick Kroll. Nick, thanks for taking some time. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Uh, So you grew up in Rossville, Pennsylvania, I think York County, is that right? So actually, yeah, I grew up up in in York, Pennsylvania, uh, moved around a little bit, but uh, my... Most of my family lives in a small town called Rossville, so I put that on for uh, just for my grandma. <laughs> <laughs> so, if I'm not mistaken, York is almost closer to Baltimore than either of the major markets in, in Pennsylvania. Were you an Orioles fan growing up? I was an Orioles fan growing up. Yeah, I uh, um, grew up about 50 minutes from uh, from Camden Yards and Memorial Stadium. So we used to, you know, play games in the summer and then get in the car and then go see a night game. So big Cal Ripken guy. Um, actually, I was an Eddie Murray guy. Right. Eddie Murray and, uh, and Ben McDonald were my two favorite players growing up. Okay. Uh, you played high school baseball, yep. tried to walk on at LSU. I did, yeah. I, I, uh, I met Ben McDonald um, when, uh, when I was probably in, like, maybe Frederick or, or Hagerstown, one of, the, one of the minor league teams. And, uh, you know, he ended up talking to me, and I was, you know, probably in sixth grade, so it was, it was an impressionable kid. Um, and I became an LSU fan, and uh, I followed their baseball program, and I wanted to, uh, it was something that I, I wasn't, I knew I wasn't good enough to play pro ball, but I, I wanted to go and try, and I uh, tried to walk on every year I was there, and uh, uh, the last year I was there, uh, I, I, was, I was cut, and they won the national title, so I, I wasn't, uh, it's not something I, I'm, 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 I was sad about, it was a great experience, and, and I really enjoyed my experience at LSU. When you realized that the college baseball thing wasn't going to happen, and your, your playing days essentially were over, did you know at that point that you wanted to get into baseball as a career in some other fashion? Yeah, I, I wanted to get into baseball ever since I was a kid. Um, I, I, I never really wanted to play. I always enjoyed the, the management, uh, scouting, uh, player development, uh, things like that. Um, and, and that's something I always wanted to do. Um, so when I was in college, uh, you'd reach out to this person or that person and, and just try to get some feedback. and. I remember I met with uh, with uh, Tony DeMacio when he was the Orioles scouting director, and I was in college, and I was going to an Orioles game, so I tried to set up a meeting in you know five minutes, and, and it was you know you got a lot of time from a lot of different people, so uh, it was really really good. You got your bachelor's degree from LSU, major in kinesiology. What made you choose that for a major? <laughs> so I was uh, I went to school in Pennsylvania uh, for a couple of years at, at a small school uh, called IUP, uh, and. Uh, uh, but I wanted to go to LSU, so I transferred, and uh, I was a business major to start with. I grew up around a small business. Um, uh, my my uh, my grandfather uh, and my dad, after that, uh, owned a owned a uh, construction company. And you know, growing up in business, you got to see a lot of different things. And, and I kind of wanted to do something different. Um, and I really enjoyed scouting, so uh, I figured, why not uh, why not kinesiology? It's the study of the body movement. 
and uh, you know I, I got into biomechanics and some things like that, and I really enjoyed it. And my uh, uh, ended up writing my uh, my last year my senior paper uh, in biomechanics on the pitching motion, which was a lot of fun. So um, it was something I saw and said, hey, I can I can get into into baseball this way and maybe learn something. So that's what that's the path I chose. Biomechanics, sports science, they're becoming bigger. Uh, bigger things within the field and within the sport right now, do you find the, all these years later that that background has helped you as you've moved up? Yeah, I, I think it has. And it's funny, I, I don't actually, uh, uh, Sam Grossman, our other assistant GM, actually oversees our sports science department. Um, but but uh, Does he know what you majored in? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's, it's something that, um, yeah, he, he's, he's, uh, uh, he does handles all of our analytics. And, and, and it's, it's amazing how much in 20 years that that field has changed. Um, so, uh it's. I feel I know a decent amount to make me dangerous at this point, but uh, you know some of the ins and outs is is just a little uh, a little crazy. Your first real interaction with the professional baseball world—you made a pit stop at the winter meetings on your way home from school. Yeah, uh, one year. You didn't have any official capacity there. You weren't there for the job fair. What was it like just being around that atmosphere for the first time? You know, my, that was in Nashville, right? Yeah. My, so my college roommate and I. Uh, my college roommate was from New Jersey, so we were driving home one year. Um, after uh, after school, and, and uh, we said, well, why don't we stop here? And uh, it was in, uh, I think, 98. And, you know, we stopped and just walked in and started walking around and started talking to people. Um, I'm surprised you ever made it out of there. Yeah. <laughs> no, no question. <laughs> that hotel is quite a maze. Um, but, you know, I, I, I met I met a decent amount of people that said, oh, well, there's a job fair. There's a, so in 99, I actually went to my first winter meetings as a job seeker, and um, had a lot of interviews and, and uh, actually had my first my first uh, major league interview. I, I was hadn't graduated college yet. I had one semester left, um, and uh, uh, the twins were interviewing for um, Terry Ryan's secretary. And uh, Rob Rob Anthony um, was my was the first guy that actually interviewed me for a position. And he said, "Well, you, you're not you're not uh, uh, you're not really gonna." take off school. I said, yeah, I'll take off a semester of school and go do this for, you know, for, for a couple months. And, uh, and he said, no, nah, nah, just go back to school. And, and, uh, but he, he was, he was great. He talked to me and, and sat down with me and, and went through, uh, the, the whole process. And, and, uh, obviously I didn't get the job, but at the same time, it was a great experience for me moving forward. And, uh, um, I actually got a job that year with, uh, with, the uh, New Jersey Cardinals, which is a short season team. It's now defunct, uh, for the St. Louis Cardinals. So, it was a great experience. What, now, now when you go to the winter meetings and you see all these young, eager faces in their suits uh, looking you know, as part of the job fair, do you have some, some empathy for what they're going through? Yeah, you know, I, I, think, we've, I think everybody in every position, for the most part, has, uh, has experienced trying to get in, trying to get their foot in the door. So, you know, my, my feeling is if, if I've got five minutes, I'm going to stop and give you the five minutes. If, if you, you want to stop and talk, that's fine. Um, because I know that there's a lot of people in this game that gave me five minutes, so it's 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 just something that I feel that I owe somebody else. You mentioned the job of the New Jersey Cardinals. You worked in sales and marketing, technically. Well, but a, a minor league team. I know, having spoken to a lot of other people about this, it's an all-encompassing job, right? Yeah, you you don't you don't work in sales and marketing. You actually work in everything. I worked uh, I worked in sales, marketing, merchandise, uh, uh, pulled the tarp, uh, worked on the grounds crew. I, I worked in media relations. Um, you do everything. I remember power washing the stadium uh, before the season starts. So it was a great experience. Um, that you know, I, I tell kids all the time: if you if you don't know what you want to do and you want to get into baseball, 
um, go work for, you know, and you're looking in the business department, go look work for the minor leagues, especially the, the short season, because they don't have as many full-time staff. You get to do a lot of different things that you're not going to be able to do, you know, with, with a big league club or even the higher, higher minor leagues. Somebody once described working at a minor league team to me as it's kind of graduate school for baseball. Yeah, it's that and a carnival. <laughs> a lot of good promotions, I'm sure. Yes. Uh, you still had a goal of working in baseball operations, though. Uh, so I think you made a third straight trip to the winter meetings uh, yeah. to try to to try to score a job on that side of it. Yeah. So my, my next year, uh, I, I went and uh, I was pretty specific. I wanted to do something in in with baseball. So uh, I ended up uh, the Visalia Oaks uh, had a uh, had a clubhouse manager position, but you got to go to spring training. You got to do and, and it was you were kind of an employee of the A's. So I said, well. I'll take, I'll do this. And, uh, it's, it's a summer, who knows, you know, we'll see what happens. And it was one of the best decisions I made. It was, it was, it was a tough job. I went to spring training, uh, worked in the A's minor league clubhouse, uh, for the, uh, for the spring. Um, and then, you know, you get to meet a lot of people in, in their, uh, in their organization. Um, and during the year I went and went to Visalia but in that league, you actually traveled, so you got to kind of live life as a as a, uh, as a minor league player. Um, a little different; uh, you didn't get to play, but it was it was it was a lot of fun. The coaches the coaches let me do a lot of different things um, and, and be involved with a lot of different things. Uh, the players, uh, you know, some are scouts uh, now, uh, and some got to the big leagues. It was it was great meeting those guys and living that life and, and seeing how that life uh, uh, what that life's about. Um, and then after that season. I ended up uh, making uh, friends with a groundskeeper in in, uh, in spring training, so he had an opening. So I ended up working on the grounds crew uh, at, uh, at for the fall league and the and instructional league, um, and got to know a bunch of the guys in, in the A's front office. So that actually led to the next year, which helped me out getting a job in uh, in baseball operations uh, as an intern, and then also as. Uh, as as the bad boy because you didn't really get paid as an intern then. But you did get paid as a bad boy, so that was you, sort of you, the. You did. You got paid much more as a bad boy <laughs> than you did as an intern. So that was two thousand two, right? Correct. So two thousand two, pretty memorable year for the A's. They had the the big twenty game winning streak. Yep. It's really good players there. Uh, what was it like being around that team on a daily basis as a bad boy? So, I guess there's two different experiences for me. Um, the first was, I, I would come in at eight thirty. I would. You know, do the boards in the office. I would enter the scouting reports, do whatever I need to in baseball ops. And at four o'clock, if we had a home game, I would go downstairs. Um, and uh, we had a, the staff both in the clubhouse and in, in the in the front office w- was I couldn't have asked for better. Um, from Billy Bean to Paul DePodesta, Dave Forrest, and Daniel McCormick, you know, it was a very small office. They really took care of me. Um, you know, from from just letting me go to lunch with them every day. Um, to to learn and, and and just be a part of all the conversations, um, you know, to go on a scouting trip with guys, you know, to scout different players in, in, in the Bay Area, um, and then you go downstairs and you know I worked on the advance reports with uh, with uh, our, our advance scout uh, uh, Bob Johnson and, and Dave Forrest, and I got to be a part of the of, of the advance meetings with uh, from the hitting coaches uh, with uh, Thad Bosley and, and then Rick Peterson as the pitching coach. And then as the bat boy, you, in Oakland, you stand right there next to the batter's box, and, and uh, it was it was a strange experience because guys would actually come up at times and say, "Hey, um, you uh, you you know this? What what is this guy throwing?" And 
you get put on the spot right there. But it was <laughs> it was a great experience because you got to see all aspects of from an advanced scouting report how it how it goes from the scout to get translated to the coaches to get translated to the players to how the players use it on the field. I, I couldn't have asked for a better experience. Um, I got to go on a couple road trips that year as the Bat Boy, um, including the playoffs and um, and. You know, just from all of the people that I got to learn from in Oakland and the way I was treated by everybody, it, it, it made everything even more special when you left there. Like, that's a great experience. That's what, how I want to make people feel, you know, when I'm an intern or when I they're mean, an intern for me. They made a movie about that year for crying out Cor- loud. Correct, correct. Yeah, I mean, th- there, were, there, were some, there were little things, you know, the, the, the uh, um, I, I, uh, uh, Darren Ebert, one of our, uh, our, one of our pitching coaches, actually played uh, Mike Magnante in the movie. And uh, we were joking. I said, we were both in the movie. I said, there's old footage, and you can see me running back and forth as the bat boy. And, and he, he played a part. So uh, it was, it was uh, definitely neat to see there's a book and a movie, and you, it helps you remember that year even more. You need to sag after card from that? From having no, I did not. That's no, no, that's too bad. That, that'd be nice. <laughs> so it, it feels like that internship with the A's, because of the bat boy work and the advanced scouting work, you probably got more of a look at every aspect of a club than most front office baseball ops interns would get. Yeah, I would say that and the fact that, that um, um, we had a very small front office. So it was there was a hallway and people just shouted down the hall what was going on. Um, that and I, uh, during the year for, for a period of time, I actually uh, was, was Billy's secretary for a while. So you got to answer the phones. You, you got to... Um, uh, you got to when, whenever you walked into his office, he'd be on the phone. And, and I remember uh, I walked in one time and I was getting ready to walk out, and, and uh, Paul D. Podesta said, "No, no, no, sit, sit down, sit down. You can just stay here and listen." And it was really neat to be able to listen to those conversations and, and be a part of, you know, a very small part, but a part of of, of learning how things get done. Those A's teams in the early part of two thousands were very good. Was there a sense of disappointment that they never climbed to that next level? Yeah, I think that you always want to win. I mean, that's that's the end goal. Um, we're all in this because we want to win. Um, you know, that that's that's why we're all here. So, losing at the very end when you had, I think we were tied for the best record in baseball with the Yankees that year, was very disappointing to lose in the first round. But hey, you get beat and you move on. And you got to just pick it up and try again next year. I'm sure this is probably going to be a tough question to answer. What was the biggest thing you learned from Billy Bean? Wow. Um, how Billy knew players. I didn't realize how much the GM knew of players. For, and, I, and, and when I say players, not just your own, but the draft. Every organization. He, he, if, 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 some, if you're talking about another organization's players, he knew all of them. I mean, he, he knew, he knew the, the, all the prospects in, in organizations. He knew players. He knew what he wanted on his team. Um, those were the... Knowing the players and knowing what he wanted on his team and, and, and exactly how, um, exactly what he wanted his team to look like, those were the two biggest things I learned from him. You uh, you mentioned some of the other guys that you worked with there, David Forrest, Paul De Podesta. How much did you just try to soak in from? You're a young guy at this point. Did you just try to soak in everything you could, just listening to conversations? And like you said, when Paul said you can stay in here and listen, how much of it was just? trying to learn everything you could in as short amount of time as you possibly could. Oh, it, it's, I mean, it's, it's a crash course in baseball. And, I mean, I, I remember I lived in a, I lived in a, uh, uh, in a, a sh- I had a, I had one bedroom in my apartment. Paid 500 bucks a month. 
and uh, we shared a bathroom with 14 different people. So uh, it was it was a pretty bad pretty bad spot, and I would not recommend anybody to, to live like that. Um, and you know, I used to come in and chart games when I didn't have to. Um, I used to I learned a lot of you know how to work the video system from from David who did it, and he 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 let me do whatever I wanted. I'd take stuff home. I'd take you know, VCR home with a laptop, and I'd sit there on an air mattress and, and, and chart games in my apartment. And, um, and it allowed me to ask questions, and they were, they were great. They answered every question I had. I mean, Paul, Paul walked in, I remember before the draft, I walked into Paul's office, and, and I asked, hey, can I watch video? We sat there for two hours and watched video of guys like B.J. Upton and Jeremy Guthrie and, and just different guys that were, that were uh, players in the draft that, that you liked and, and uh, it was, it was a definitely a memorable experience because it was my first baseball experience. So I tried to learn as much as I could. Paul made an interesting move a few years back going to the Cleveland Browns as their chief strategy officer, I think is the title. Uh, do you think that kind of crossover could become a trend? Or do you think Paul is a unique individual where going from a baseball front office to a football front office on the operations side, business side, we've seen that happen a lot. But where you're actually trying to impact the on-field, that's pretty rare I think it's pretty rare uh, I have I have no business going into a basketball front office and telling you anything <laughs> um, um, I like football but uh, again I have no business going into a football office and, and, and telling you how to uh, that I could do this uh, you know yeah it is pretty rare I know he played football in college and, and knew a lot about football that I just I could never do and I think that's probably a rare skill when you mentioned you went on some scouting assignments for the A's how do you learn how to scout? I mean, do you have to have an eye, natural eye for it? Is it something where if you just spend enough time, you can learn how to do it? Um, I think the first thing and most important thing is you have to know what a big leaguer is. So I can go scout a college kid and maybe tell you who the best guy on the field is, but does that guy have the tools to become a big leaguer? Um, video helped me more than just about anything because my first couple years, it, whether it was with the A's internship or when I started here, I probably watched a couple thousand games, and you knew exactly what a big leaguer do, can and can't do, and what you can get away with. And I think that's starting from there was was a great opportunity for me because you were immersed in that in that situation where you had to just watch games, um, and that helped me go out and get pro scouting assignments. And you you, you see, and there's some trial and error in it. There's no question, um, but. You learn how to write a report first. Uh, I mean, I think that's the easiest part is, is to how do you, you know, what do you have to have in your body of your report? What, you know, and then you, you figure out what your grading system is uh, as you move on. But learning what a big leaguer is was the most important thing for me to start with. You joined the Reds in 2003, uh, overseeing the advanced scouting preparation, among other things. What were your early days with your, your second organization like? A lot of trial and error. Um, a lot of trial and error. Uh, we had a... a I came in, and, and uh, when, when I got here, there was, hey, you're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this. Um, and taking that advanced scouting report, I mean, I had to learn the video system and, and, and how we, we built a new video room. Um, and taking the advanced scouting report and saying, okay, well, go do this, was a really interesting uh, thing for me because I didn't, I didn't physically write the advanced scouting reports when I was in Oakland. Other guys did it. I helped translate it, and I, you know, moved it along. But... To write the report for like three, four years um, was, a, was a lot of trial and error. Um, you can put a lot into a report, but when you don't have pitchers that can do certain things that you see on video that other pitchers can do, 
it makes things difficult. Um, you know, you you learn a lot. I had some really good. I had some really good help. Really good interns, um, especially early that uh, that came in and they they helped piece things together. Whether it was a kid who you know played minor league ball that you could you know, bounce ideas off of and get better, and then you know the coaches were, were good as well. Uh, you know, Bob Boone was a very smart uh, individual that uh, that you could ask questions to. Jerry Naren was the same way, where you could ask questions and say, hey. What do you think of this or this? Uh, we got a coach that's still on the staff. He was our bullpen catcher at the time, Mike Stefanski. You know, I remember him coming in, sitting down, saying, "Hey, you can't do this." Okay, why? And then he would explain it to me, and, and it helped me get better. Um, there were there were a lot of guys on staff, Mark Berry, um, Tom Hume, guys like that 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 helped me make that transition. I, I look back, and I still have some of the reports on my computer. Uh, now I look back at some of those early reports, and they were awful. They were just <laughs> absolutely awful. And, and uh, you know, I. I I know that some of the pitchers would come in and question this, or catchers question this, and and um, and I was definitely over my head. But it, it, you know, by guys coming in, talking to you, and helping you get better, that's helped me get better in the long run. I know he was only there for four months of that season, but with your exposure to Aaron Boone that year, was there a sense that this is a guy who could follow his father's footsteps and become a big league manager? I think that's a tough. That's tough to answer. Yeah. I, I mean, I I didn't. I knew I knew Aaron, but I didn't have that much interaction to where hey, I was trying to keep my keep my own head above water at right. that time. Understood. Two thousand eight, you're promoted to assistant director of baseball operations. Promoted again to director and senior director of baseball operations. These jobs, from what I can tell, are very wide ranging, uh, sort of open ended with a lot of different duties: day to day major league operations, administration, arbitration, contracts, rules, waivers, acquisitions. There's a lot that goes into them. Was there one area or is there one area that you consider to be your strength when it comes to the variety of things that you have your hand in? So uh, the last, I'd say, what, 10 years now, I, I've, over, I've overseen our, our pro scouting department. Um, that's, been, that's been a strength for me. Um, you know, I, I feel really good about a lot of the, the players that we've acquired uh, during that time, um, you know, with Luis Castillo and Scott Shevler, Adam Duvall, guys like that, um, you know, that, that really – that's a department I really enjoyed being a part of. Um, we had a lot of guys uh, from Jerry Walker, Cam Bonifay, um, Gene Bennett, my mentor, um, Terry Reynolds, these, Sean Pender. These guys, they came in and they allowed me to continue to ask questions. They've been in the game for, you know, Jerry's done everything in the game. And riding to spring training games with me helped me be a better manager, be a better scout, be better at everything I did in that department. Um, I pro scouting and, and the major league rules administration is, are probably the two that I, I would focus more the most on. Um, we had an assistant GM uh, here several years ago named Bob Miller, who, if, if Bob's not the best rules guy in the business, I, I, don't, I don't know who is. Um, he was fantastic, and, and he, he let me learn. He, he gave me stuff and said, here, figure this out, and I got to just do it. And um, whether it was a contract, uh, you know, negotiating for arbitration stuff, preparing arbitration cases, um, you know, trying to figure out what the loophole in a rule was. It, it's it's, it's a, been a lot of fun to learn from a lot of great people. Um, but rules and pro scouting are probably the two that are that are my main focus. Rules, contracts, and then pro scouting are my two focus. You mentioned Gene Bennett, legendary scout who passed away in 2017, called him your mentor. Yep. What was his biggest impact on you? Um, so Gene was one of was not just uh, like a guy that I worked with. He was also a really good friend. 
Um, he, uh, uh, I, I gave I gave one of the eulogies at, at, his, at his ceremony last year, and he's a guy that just we, we'd go to Sarasota, and he took me on my first scouting trip, um, and you know he he it was just little things. He talked about it in the car about what he did, not only for um, what what he did for baseball, what he did for scouting, but also what he did in the community. He was very big with where he lived and, and in the community. You know, um, he's had a scholarship program where I think he's put fifty some kids through college um, at, the, at the local from the local high school to to the uh, uh, to the local college that you know couldn't afford it. He he would literally provide their college education uh, to go. Um, you know, Gene Gene was a guy that. He gave a lot to a lot of different people, and you didn't even know it. You know, he was he was like your grandpa. You know, he was that guy who you always listened to what he what he said. He he, he was a legendary scout. He was actually a legendary referee in, in uh, college basketball. Um, refereed you know NCAA tournaments and, and you know before the NCAA tournament and whatnot. So, um, just listening to him, and then again ha- having conversations with him, and him allowing to ask me to ask questions. Um, helped me get better in everything in everything I've done. So, um, but the person he was was well beyond the baseball. Seven straight losing seasons in your first seven years with the Reds. Cincinnati finally has a winning record, wins the NL Central title in 2010. What was that run like for you? Oh, it was fantastic. Uh, couldn't couldn't ask for better. Uh, the you know when I first got here, we were a team that was trying to stay competing and. Um, after that first year, we ended up having a fire sale in the middle of the year, um, and our, like our system was ranked 29th by Baseball America at the end of uh, 2003. So uh, Dan O'Brien came in. He, he uh, uh, started a program to, to revitalize the system, um, brought in Terry Reynolds, um, who, uh, who, who's still here as a scouting director, um, and, you know, it was, it was about drafting and developing. And uh, I think... I want to say we had two guys in our 2004 Baseball America prospect list that were uh, that were that, that became big leaguers for more than a year. I think Joey and Kristen Orfia. So rebuilding the system was was the first and form, first and foremost thing we had to do. We had a couple really good drafts in 0405 with Homer Bailey um, and then Jay Bruce and then uh, signing Johnny Cueto. And you watch these kids come into the system and. You kind of grew up with them, you know. You grew up as they grew up in, in, in the organization, and they got better, better. Your system got better. Chris Buckley took over the, uh, the scouting department. Um, Terry went to the farm department, you know, and we just kept getting better and better, and, and it was about developing young talent. And to see the kids come up during that year, and when we acquired Scott Rowland, I wasn't, you know, I, I remember asking Walt, like, I, I wasn't sure why you acquired the, 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 the aging guy, uh, aging veteran to put in that role but after about two days you saw exactly what he did for this team in the in the clubhouse and he held the young kids accountable and to see to see it from start to getting to the playoffs was a great a great thing to see for me because I hadn't seen the entire process before and that was that was very exciting whenever we won when Jay Bruce at the walk-off. That uh, that started a nice little four-year run. You guys made the playoffs three times, mm-hmm. won at least 90 games in each of those seasons. Did it feel like the Reds were, were close to taking that next step towards becoming a championship team? Yeah, I thought 2012 was, was the year that we, we were going to win. That, that's that's the year that I thought we, we came into the playoffs. We had a really good bullpen. We had a really good starting staff. Our offense was, was solid for the most part. 
Um, I think we won 97 games or something like that. Um, and then you get up 2-0 in the Giants, and then you lose those last three in the you know game three, game five, just two heartbreakers that – I thought that was that was the year that we we had that we could take the next step. You watch them go on to win the World Series, thinking that should be us. Yeah, it, you know, you, you, it, it's hard not to think that. You know? Sure. Uh, beginning in 2017, you're promoted to assistant general manager. Is becoming a GM your ultimate goal in this game right now? Yeah, I think it's everybody's ultimate. You know, most people, it is their ultimate goal. Um, I, I'd, I'd love to be a GM someday. Um, with that said, I, I'm in no rush. I, I'm, you know, I I really enjoy it here. Um, my family's from here. Uh, you know, I really enjoy the people that I work with a lot, um, from from Dick Williams and Sam Grossman to guys like Bo Thompson who work in our video room. It's really it's really enjoyable to see a lot of people in this organization have grown you know, over the years and, and take roles and responsibilities. And us go from a team that was good to a team that went through a rebuild to a team that hopefully we have enough young talent to start making a push to get better. And, and that's that's what you want. You, you, you're you in this to win championships. Uh, um, yeah, I think everybody's ultimate goal, oh, I'd love to do that, I'd love to do that, but I'm in no rush. I asked you before about what the thing you learned most from Billy Bean was. I'll ask you the same question, Walt Jockety and Dick Williams. Um, it, it's, it's, it's funny, I think you take something different from every person that you work with. Um, and... Walt and Dick are definitely no different. Um, Walt, first off, is is very patient. I'm an, I'm a very impatient person, <laughs> so uh, I think that from Walt, you know, I, I'd ask what what are we gonna do? Why would it, wait wait be patient? And I think that's that's something that I've had to learn over time is to be more patient um, with uh, uh, with how to go about you know building a staff, building a team, you know, building an organization in, in general. You can't just go and say, I want to do this, and I'm going to trade all these players and go get this guy. Then you lose all your farm system. Um, Walt was very good at that. Um, with Dick, uh, Dick's brought his experience from the business world, and I haven't had much experience in the business world. Um, so being able to ask questions of, you know, more of, Finance and, and, and running running organizations. Uh, he worked for a venture venture capitalist firm. Um, to you know his his area working with uh, the the Bush campaign and, and politics. That's something that I have not had much exposure to. Um, so taking those two entities and, and being able to ask questions of Dick has been a great learning experience. I did this interview with him last year, and I was okay. fascinated by his his path to where he is now. It's, yeah. it's unlike any other one that I've seen in the big leagues. I don't remember hearing about anybody else working for residential campaigns. So, um, you were with the A's during what people recognize as the Moneyball year. Mm-hmm. As you've seen analytics grow throughout the game, how do you think it's most impacted the way teams do business? It's just, it. I think when you make a decision, no matter what the decision is, you want to have the most information possible. So, Analytics has helped you get more and more information, and it's it's become it's become we've got this system over here that that's that's a that's a radar system that's got more accurate readings on on velocities um, or spin rates or you know your defensive and your uh, your range and positioning. Um, you know it, it helps you make better decisions. The more information you have, no matter if it's analytics or scouting or background information, the more information you have, the better decisions you're going to make. For a team that has had so many Hall of Fame legendary players as the Reds, 
Joey Votto is well on his way to having that type of a career. What is it like to watch him every day? I think he's the best hitter in baseball. Um, he can do he can do things with a bat that ninety nine percent of the people that play the game can't do, um, and that's the history of the game. Um, he knows exactly what he wants to do in every count, and it's just tremendous to see him to see him prepare, um, to see the work that he puts in, and it's not just hey, I go out there and hit. I can, I do everything. I work, I work on everything from nuances in my defense to watching video to trying to figure out how I'm going to be pitched in every situation. The Reds drafted Hunter Green last year in the first round. The Angels won the Shohei Otani sweepstakes uh, this offseason. Do you think two-way players could eventually become something more than just a novelty in the game? Uh, somebody once said it's really tough to play one side of, of the ball. So... Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be a norm. Um, you know, last player that's actually done is Brooks Kieschnick on a regular basis, right? Um, and and he was doing it as a relief pitcher and a pinch hitter for the most part, and played a little left field. So I think it's going to be really tough for, for guys to do. But hey, you have a special athlete, and you know, you you could do it. You know, you've you've had guys like Bo Jackson and Deion Sanders play two diff, completely different sports. So um, maybe it is there. There's a guy that's out there that can do it. You worked with Haley Alvarez in Oakland. Um, she's one of the rising number of women in Major League front offices. What kind of impact do you think people like Haley, Gene Afterman, Sarah Gellis, among many others, have had on the, the rise of women in front offices around baseball? I think that front offices in general are getting more diverse. And I remember overseeing our internship program uh, starting in 2003. And in 2003, there were, there were 400 resumes, and you might have had one woman applicant. Um, but more and more women, you know, trying to get into baseball or getting jobs in baseball has helped other, others see, hey, there is a job. Um, we, uh, we hired uh, one this year, uh, Haley Leviton, who, who's one of our interns, um, you know, and she worked for USA Baseball before that. And, you know, but sh- she said, hey, it's easy. It's great to see these people get into the game because I can put my resume in now. So this year I think we might have had 2025 which is the most we've had in any year uh, before this year. It seems like maybe the fact that more front offices, it used to be front offices were populated by guys who played the game, right? Now, you look around the league, I think there's only one GM in the whole league right now that actually played in the majors, and that's Jerry Depoto. Um, it seems like it's not maybe as much a women-men thing as much as a, it used to be you, the thought process was you have to have played the game to have these kinds of jobs, and now that you see men who didn't play the game, well, women now can say, well, if we don't have to have played the game, why not us? Yeah, I think that you have, it's, it's so we hire several interns each year, and um, we've had a group of people that have been really, really good over, over the course of the years. And my biggest thing for bringing in people is, is you want to have diverse background. And I'm not talking about, like, you got to be a woman or, or, or a man or what. It's you bring something different to the table, and I think you see a lot of people that are getting in. That you've got, we've had an intern who majored in Arabic, and I, it was, and he's doing really well for himself now. He, he uh, works works for a club, and and uh, you know we've had a guy who majored in art history, and a guy who majored in um, uh, American studies, and then you get your your MBA students and, and your your, uh, your your Spanish speakers and, and and whatnot. So the more the more diverse things you can bring, the more things you, the more ideas you can create, the the, the better, uh, the better you can bond with other people in your office as well. I think it's 
it's uh, you just want as many different experiences as you can coming into your office because it's going to help you think of things in different ways. Last one for you. It's been nearly 30 years since the Reds have won the World Series. What do you think it would mean to the city to bring a title back to Cincinnati? Oh, my, my wife from uh, my wife from Cincinnati. So uh, I know exactly what her dad thought, and and and, and she was she was growing grew up a huge Reds fan. So um, you know the, the the people in Cincinnati love baseball. Uh, they really do. It, it's been one of those neat things to see in the Midwest where they love they love guys like Joe Morgan, like Johnny Bench, like Eric Davis, like Barry Larkin. I mean these guys. These guys are absolutely loved if they go somewhere in Cincinnati. Um, so if if we if we can win a World Series, I think it'll just be icing on the cake with with the city. I think the city would absolutely love, go nuts. Reds Vice President and Assistant General Manager Nick Crawl, thanks very much for your time. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate having me. Many thanks to Nick Crawl for taking the time to sit down for this week's episode of Executive Access. For our next episode, I'll sit down with Oakland A's president, Dave Cavill. We'll discuss his time working in the office of the President of the United States, what it was like being classmates with Tiger Woods, his experience running a Major League Soccer franchise, and why keeping the A's in Oakland is critical to both the city and the organization. You can search for Executive Access on Apple Podcasts, Art19, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. So be sure to subscribe and enjoy these conversations all season long. If you like what you hear, leave us a review while you're at it. You know we always appreciate those. And be sure to spread the word and tell all the baseball fans in your life about executive access. Until next time, I'm Mark Feinsand. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.